You're listening to Trek FM. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. Previously on Arrow. If I only knew how you were spending your life. Why should I trust you? Oliver, I thought it was the first time we talked. About what? You being a serial killer. Let's start with Laurel, since you're still in love with her. So are you. Lord knows I am guilty of a lot of things between us. But not you and her. She chose you. My name is Moira Dearden Queen, the CEO of Queen Consolidated. I have been complicit in an undertaking with one horrible purpose, to destroy the glades and everyone in it. But you need to know that the architect of this nightmare is Malcolm Merlin. You can't beat me, Oliver. Because you don't know in your heart what you're fighting for. Is Laura safe? Yeah. You think? Bobby, it shouldn't have been me. Welcome everyone to Trek FM's local watering hole. In fact, this is our new 602 Club. It's been newly refurbished and I've got to say, Ruby completely, I, what am I talking about? I completely outdid myself. <laughs> uh, Ruby just puts up with the decorations and I, I've got to say, I really, I really am pleased as how it's coming together. Um, got some new things, of course, from Force Awakens with uh, that that just happened uh, with Force Friday. No, I did not go out at midnight. I was asleep. I had work. I'm a I'm I'm a man. I got a job. Okay, guys. He has a vacuum um, cleaner. So that's right. I've got a vacuum cleaner. In fact, it was a birthday present last year. So um, yeah, that shows you how old I am. Uh, before we get started, and and we're going to be talking about Arrow Season 2, before we get into that, I wanted to remind you guys, um, you can find us on iTunes.com slash TrekFM for all of the Trek FM shows. The 602 is a part of Trek FM, and we have 20 different shows in the network for you to check out from all the series covered, from behind the scenes, creatives, we've got, of course, the 602 Club, and books and comics and everything in between, you're going to want to check out iTunes.com slash TrekFM, or of course, you can go to Trek.fm and check out our website and figure out all the shows that you haven't been listening to that you should be listening to. Um, and of course, too, remember when you're at iTunes.com slash TrekFM to give the 602 Club a nice five-star review. Right now, I'm really pleased to say 43 five-star reviews, only five-star reviews. I really appreciate that. And we are running a contest, so if you do give us the written review there on iTunes. You are entered at the beginning of October to win a $50 gift card, as well as the USS Vengeance oversized Eagle Moss starship from Norman C. Lau. That's right, he's throwing that into the mix as well. So you could be the lucky winner there at the beginning of October. So just make sure that you go to iTunes and get in that review. Well, guys, I can't tell you how excited I am. Uh, one, I'm in the new 602 Club, which is pretty kicking, I'm not going to lie. But two, we're going to be talking about a, one of my favorite shows on TV, season two. And to do that, I have brought part of the Marvel posse. 
uh, <laughs> with me. Uh, but I know how much he loves Arrow, and I'm glad to have him here. Daniel Peru, it's great to have you in the 602 Club. It's great to be here. I mean, it, I was here for the season one episode talks, uh, season one talk, so I figured that makes only makes sense that I'm here for season two, so. Yeah, and I, I don't feel bad. I don't feel like we are, you know, um, leaving Andy in the cold. Um, she was at Dragon Con. She wasn't able to make it. She had too much fun being Femme Arrow yeah. um, and so couldn't make it. But I'm really excited to have back with us to talk about Arrow Season 2 is Alice Baker from Educating Geeks. Alice, welcome back and, well, to the new and improved 602 Club. I am I am very happy to be here, and I do feel like we're, we're the original crew because we are the three who discussed uh, Arrow Season 1, if I'm remembering correctly, so we can continue our conversation about this series that I think we all... Uh, enjoy. I, I think you might just want to call us the Suicide Squad. Um, yeah, so um, so don't mess with us, guys. I'm just <laughs> saying. Okay, so Arrow Season 1 wraps up, and it's been a tumultuous season for Oliver coming back to Starling City. And so I wanted to talk about you, with you guys going into Season 2, we're following up what was generally considered to be a really strong season. And I wanted to get your opinions just kind of generally about season two, uh, what you felt about it, um, especially if you can think back when you were first watching it. And then, of course, now that you've maybe had some time to rewatch the season, how does season two come off to you? And, and do you think it was able to improve any? on what they were able to do with season one? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, yes, yes, and more yes. I uh, it, it really is like a, a nonstop train ride. It goes and it goes and it goes and it goes really fast, and there are lots of people to keep track of and lots of stuff going on. So you're, you're never really bored uh, while you're watching season two. There, I will not lie, though. There was a point at which I was like, how much can they keep this island stuff going? Uh, but then they do, <laughs> and it it's it all stays tied in, uh, and it all keeps the engine running. Um, I wondered where they were going to go with everything, and how much of the rest of the DC universe was going to get pulled in. Um, if it was going to keep the awesome nods to the fans of the DC universe uh, in play, and I, I think it did that, you know, in spades basically. So I I really enjoyed. Uh, season two, you know, for the most part, the things that I loved about it way, way, way outweighed anything I didn't like about it. So I really dug this season a lot. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with everything you're saying. Like, it's it's like, so season one was great. It was a fantastic first season, establishing this this world and these characters. And then season two is like that, but then better because these characters are more established. Plus you get... Uh, Slade Wilson, like, oh my god, like, I love, I'm, well, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it later on, uh, <laughs> exactly how awesome uh, Deathstroke is, but uh, that kind of knocked it out of the park for me. He's a much better villain, like, as much as I love, um, oh boy, you'll have to forgive me. Uh, who plays Merlin? What's the guy's name? John, Ber- John, John Berriman. Yes. Uh, and I love that he's a continuing part of the show. Uh, the new guy, uh, whoever that actor's name is, uh, just is is Mano so much Bennett. more threatening and menacing as a villain to me, uh, as the big bad of the season. And uh, so that's why, to me, season two is a stronger season. Plus, 
like we already mentioned, you get all these other characters, these this crazy amount of, of tertiary characters. Uh, you get an entire uh, episode uh, focusing on the Suicide Squad. Like, that's incredible. That's super cool and a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, I mean, season two, even better than season one, in my opinion. You know, what was really interesting is I almost feel like the writers of Arrow had watched Deep Space Nine and had seen the the... What you can do with, you, you were talking about, Daniel, these tertiary characters. You know, you can have these recurring characters and they can be just as important as your main characters. You know, when you think about uh, season two and what they added with those characters, I mean, like you said, you know, Slade Wilson was a huge part of season one, but then bringing him back as the villain, as Deathstroke, is just a stroke of genius. Um, you've got, uh, you know... Katie Lotz playing Sarah Lance, which a great change from who they had playing uh, Sarah Lance in the first season. You know, I mean, you bring in uh, Barry Allen, <laughs> uh, Grant Gustin, who's going to be the Flash. You bring in uh, Katrina Law, who's uh, Nissa. You've got the Suicide Squad members of Deadshot, Bronze Tiger, and Shrapnel. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of characters they bring in and really make as important almost as Oliver in some ways, as Felicity in some ways, as Diggle in some ways. They all play a huge part in the season. Um, and I think that that's, it's, it's a very Deep Space Nine-ish. And as you were talking about, Alice, that island episode where you spend almost the entire episode on the island instead of back at home was revolutionary for the show as well because it was the first time that they had really done that. And uh, I loved that they did that in this season because there was so much island story to tell. They pretty much needed a whole show to do it. And um, they actually did it pretty early in this season. And I thought that that was pretty nice because it it, um, it was the episode where uh, Oliver was knocked out and Barry and Felicity are running around trying to figure out how to save him. And he's living this whole life on the island that... It's just really digging into that. So I, I'm really, really pleased. And, and, and of course, then we add the boat and, and all I could think of earlier when you guys were talking, we we're just showering this love on the show is I think Oliver probably wished that was the love boat <laughs> in the bay and, and not the boat that they ended up with, which was like the boat from hell. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I, yeah, completely with you guys. This is, I think an even stronger season um, than the first one. And I didn't know if you would be able to do that, but part of it is I think they just really found uh, the characters in this this season. Um, how, what did you guys think of, of coming back into season two and the progression that we get with specifically Oliver um, and his kind of story arc throughout this you know second season well i so so the storyline we're talking about then is his uh coming back and and not wanting to be the vigilante and not wanting to rain death (laughs) and destruction in his efforts to help the city um and then sort of uh through in a lot of ways felicity's you know, advice and pushing or however you want to say it sort of gets the deed done anyway. You know, there's all the stuff at the very end where uh, Nissa is coming in and what does she say? She says something like um, your city is in ruins because you don't have the will to do what needs to be done or something like that. Um, 
as a as a classic storyline for a hero goes, I think it worked just fine. Um, I don't necessarily think that may have been like the the strongest or most interesting choice they could have taken. Uh, but there's there was enough else going on with all of the other storylines and as we've mentioned, all the other characters um, that it worked okay for me. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Um, in a lot of TV shows and movies, uh, I, I generally tend not to care too super much for the main character. Uh, in a lot of these cases, um, like, for example, Harry Potter, uh, like, I'm way more interested in the world and, and these secondary people and what's happening to them and, and how it's affecting their lives. And this is this is kind of, you know, we, we've seen this. We've seen the, oh, woe is me. I, I, I need to give up this thing that I'm doing and I can't do this anymore kind of superhero thing. And it was done well. I'm not, I'm not trying to put it down or anything. It's just, that's like the least interesting part of this season. Um, it's, it, there's a lot of other really cool, really interesting things going on. Um, so, and so a lot of times I'm just like, depending on what part of the story they're servicing, I'm just kind of, okay, we can, you know, Oliver is angsty and mopey and I get it. Let's let's move past this part of it, at least. I think that's a really interesting thing about Arrow, is that we are definitely moving the character forward. You know, I, I've heard enough of the talk behind the scenes from the creators and, and them saying, look, we... And we talked a little bit about this with uh, what we did season one, that it was really Arrow year zero. You know, um, it, it's it's before he becomes Green Arrow and having to learn the lessons to become who we know he'll be later on. So he can basically earn the title of Green Arrow, the hero that we all know he will be. And um, to me, that's that's always a, a, a more interesting journey than just having the hero kind of come out as the hero automatically. And they're even doing this in Flash, you know, even though Flash shows up and he's in the suit in the first episode of that by halfway through, he's still learning how to be the Flash, you know, like he's still learning on the lessons and everything. And, and so they do this thing where they're, they're showing you the journey. They're not telling you about it. And I think that's what I personally respond to the most about what DC has done with Arrow They've done with Flash, what I'm pretty sure they're going to do with Supergirl, uh, what they'll do with Legends of Tomorrow, and what they're doing, at least what they did, I felt like, with Man of Steel. I, I get to see the the storyline. I get to see the progression, and I really, really love that. Um, and even though sometimes Oliver's storyline isn't always the strongest, I still have to say that it's Stephen Amell who really makes me care about this show and then his relationships with everybody else. Um, the guy, I think, is just a great actor. And so even if his storyline isn't always the strongest, I feel like he's never, like, half-assing it, you know? Like, he's never putting in, like, okay, this isn't my strong episode, so I'll just, you know... No, he's he's given it 100, and 100%. I mean, there's no more percent well, than he's, 100%. He's, I think so. he's giving 12 abs at all times. So. Yeah, 12 abs at all time. <laughs> so, for sure. Yeah, oh, I mean, I, as I mentioned in, in when we talked about season one, St Stephen Amell uh, was what drew me to the show because I agree with you. I think the performance that he gives, especially in season one, is 
is just really compelling. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not necessarily knocking that. And I, and I also agree with you that I enjoy, I, that, that's what's interesting is the character story arc, right? You want to know how the character got from point A to point B. I'm just saying that it's, it, for, for me in this season, it's not the bright shining star that it was in, in, in season one. That said, it's still a 12 ab, you know, <laughs> shining star, right? So, you know, I'm not, say, I'm not saying that it's horrible or anything like that. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, there were some options there that I think they also could have explored. And, and maybe they were so busy with so many other things that they, they just kind of didn't get around to it. And they're saving it up for seasons to come. Well, I, I think you're right on, though. There's so much else going on in this season. It didn't. It wasn't just the Oliver show at this point because Felicity had become a much bigger character, so they had her to, to write into the show. Diggle had become an integral part of the cast, and so you needed to have him be stronger. And then, of course, as we talked about earlier, there are all these secondary characters that are wafting in and out of Arrow all season that are very important to the storyline. I mean, seriously, uh, the Katie uh, Lott's character of Sarah Lance becomes a huge part of this show and takes up a lot of time. And so what was interesting is that I felt like this season was beginning the slide towards what we'll get in season three, which was the very personal story for where all of it becomes ultra personal. All the consequences come down and Oliver has to deal with them. But this season is much more about the bigger things going on um, and the big storyline, the big play happening with Slade Wilson uh, and and who the villain is and stuff. So I think all of that is allowing that, okay, we're not going to just kind of tell the same story with what we did with season one. We're making this much bigger and broader and giving you much more to deal with than just moving you along with you know the oliver storyline agreed agreed for you guys in and we mentioned it a little bit but the fact that you know slade is back we've got a new villain this season and kind of every season has a big bad villain you know the first season having john Berman be the bad guy um be the the turncoat be the one that we're going to be after uh, how do you top that? Well, you bring in Mano Bennett and you make him Deathstroke. And this guy is a beast. I mean, he is... And I, I, I think they may have outdone themselves with the villain in this season so that every other villain, it's going to be hard to reach the, the level that you get to. Exactly. But hey, that's a good problem to have, saying, yeah, hey, we sure. did... Such good work that we're not sure we can top ourselves. What did you think about having him back? But then, of course, be the guy that you know he taught Oliver everything he knows, and now they're going to go mano a mano. Well, you know, this is Manu a Manu. Oh, nice, nice, Manu. <laughs> Man, where's Norm? <laughs> I, you know, I was going to say this is Arrow, so it's not that that uh, Slade, you know, uh, outperformed the previous villain. It's just that he outabbed him. So it's just that he he brought in more of that masculine, ridiculous, over the top testosterone filled. No, but he's awesome. Like he was a great villain. Like from the beginning, you are intimidated by this guy. You can tell that this guy would, could, and probably just might snap your neck for no reason. Like this guy is intense. 
he's motivated and he the the arc that he goes through kind of this uh you know it's kind of a stereotypical arc of like being oh we're buddies but then something happens of course it's a girl and something happens between us and then now we hate each other and now I'm coming to kill you and everybody else that you love but it's just Man, like Deathstroke is so cool as a villain, like visually, um, and he plays it so well. Like you said, like, how do you top John Barrowman? You you do this, you do this kind of thing. And whether or not they can top that, we'll see in the future. Uh, but I, I, it's definitely one of my favorite parts of this season is is the performance and the characterization of, of Slade Wilson. He is just awesome. Yeah, I, I also will echo what you said earlier, Daniel, that John Berriman, of course, also puts in a great performance, but there's something more, I know the right word, intriguey about the, the villainy in the, in the first season where the, the villainy in this is, is very direct and very physical and very aggressive and in your face. Um, and so for building to the climax that it does build, Deathstroke is just a much better, villain for the action that's going to happen at the close of, of the season. So I, I do think that he as a big bad is just a bigger bad <laughs> than the, uh, than the uh, John Barrowman character. And I, I really enjoyed his performance as well. And again, it's interesting, right? Cause as you point out, that is another very typical uh, story. Guys start out as buddies, something happens and now they're going against each other or, um, student has to eclipse mentor, you know, all of those are very, very common themes. But for some reason, and I don't know why, but again, I found hit that story more compelling than, than um, Stephen Amell's character, uh, Oliver's story for some reason in this season. But yeah, I, I thought, I thought he was a great big bad. It is really interesting that this, you know, season builds on the first season by, you know, Oliver had such a hard time taking down the Dark Archer. Um, and Malcolm Merlin was faster and stronger and better than Oliver was. So how do you top that? Well, you basically put a Superman-type character against Oliver this time. You know, somebody who is bigger, badder, and stronger, and faster, and there's really no way, unless you can depower this guy with some fancy kryptonite, and uh, spoiler alert at the end you know you take away his powers uh you 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 uh de-miracuru him um that you're really going to be able to beat him and i i thought that was really interesting is you put somebody up that really is insurmountable for oliver when it comes to physicality you know there's there's not a way for for oliver to be able to beat him mano and mano you know um <laughs> and i i love that that it it's going to take something more it's going to take some kind of ingenuity it's going to take the team it's not just the one on one battle anymore it's about the entire team that they've built with the arrow team the arrow cave you know all those things it it becomes really an important deal and that's i think the strength of this season is that Whereas it's similar, they're mixing up the formula a little bit, you know? Um, the first season's just a vodka martini. The second season's a Vesper, you know? Um, <laughs> it's it's something that's it, it feels similar, but it, in the end, it's different. And I, I, I like that, you know? Um, 
And I think you, both you guys nailed it. His performance is just the thing that drives it all. <laughs> yeah, he's chilling for sure. For some reason, it just popped the whole, uh, what's it called? The Mirakuru. Did I say it right? Mm-hmm. And then I thought, Medichlorines. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> similar no. Similar <laughs> No, 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 not similar at all. A little different. A little different. <laughs> a little different, um, but no, no. I, I see where you're going there. <laughs> I will say the only thing that, and again, teeny tiny, again, the things I love about this season way outweigh the things I don't, but I really didn't need the CGI missing eye. I really, uh, for me, I was just like, just because you can do it doesn't need, mean you need to do it. I was just like... I did a little bit of an eye roll during that scene. An eye roll, ha ha, uh, during that scene. Also, does it hurt your stomach, kid? <laughs> and also, let's not forget, right? And I'm half joking about this, but only half. That if we're talking about an escalation of force in season one, you get you get Merlin, who is also a fellow archer. But then with Deathstroke, we get what's better than what's better than bow and arrow. Swords and guns, swords and guns. So it's like, you know, it's obviously more physically imposing than that than what it was in the first season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a full out war at the end of season two. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Honestly. No, I, I completely agree. And I, I think that that escalation in all ways helps the show. You know, it, it uh, gives you bigger and bigger stakes to really care about these characters and what you're putting them through. And, you know, that's part of comic books. You know, I mean... <laughs> That's why, of course, you get to Superman fighting Doomsday, and it's an all-out brawl from, which is funny because I don't know if many people realize this, but the fight in in the Doomsday comic with Superman is pretty much this page for page what they end up doing in Man of Steel. Starts off in a little town, goes and, and ramps up until they get to the big city, and then they're just leveling buildings with this fight, you know. So it's it's very similar, but that 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 whole idea like. That's what you do. You you finally get to the big bad where it becomes an all-out war. And I really, really like that um, in this season. And again, we said it in the first season, and we're going to say it again. DC understands. You go big or you go home. You put everything on the table, and you make yourself have to work to write yourself out of, well, crap, we just did the best thing that maybe we could do. How do we how do we do something better or different to make this still work? And I think that's a better problem to have than when you just kind of drag people along for seasons upon seasons waiting for something to happen. Or, you know, I, I'm talking to you, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get off that soapbox. I apologize um, to everyone listening. Um, okay, new characters. Um, Can I say one more thing? One more, one yeah, more thing no, about Deathstroke. Yeah, go ahead. I'll and just... Again, this is a half joke, but uh, Stephen Amell, who has now been cast as uh, Casey Jones, and the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies, for better or worse. Well, by the way, I think it is better. The movie must be better for him being in it. There's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, maybe he got his, you know, maybe he got a little inspiration from Deathstroke for uh, kind of a mask, kind of the, this kind of hockey-esque looking oh yeah. yeah yeah i just wanted to say that yeah that's it could it's a good possibility so um i uh my wife actually made me watch all the old the at least one and two of the old in, teenage Mutant ninja turtles so now i'm going to make her watch the new <laughs> one um you can't so, yeah, oh, you don't have to well what you need yeah. to do is not watch the movies at all and watch the new animated oh, it's series so good because it's uh, so yeah. okay. good okay 
Uh, uh, that we might enjoy then. No, we'll put that. We'll try and find that. Okay, back to Arrow. <laughs> okay, back Sorry, to Arrow. Sorry, guys. We, Arrow, we Arrow. sidetracked there. I apologize. <laughs> um, so, new characters in this season. You know, uh, there were a lot of characters in the first season, but this one brings in some that are going to continue to be really important. Um, Sarah Lance, uh, you're going to have Isabel Roshev, uh, you're going to have Sin, um, the friend of. The friend of Roy. Um, and, of course, you're going to have the recurring character of Grant Gunston as uh, uh, Barry Allen. And, of course, we're going to continue to get some, uh, well, at least in season three, we'll get Suicide Squad with the new movie coming out. We might not get too much more of them. But, of course, Amanda Waller is is even more prevalent in this season. And then, of course, um, we've got Katrina Law playing Nissa Al Ghul, who will play a even bigger role in season three. So, guys, new new characters. What were some of your favorites? What really stood out to you? What did you like? Maybe what didn't you like? If there was one that you were just like, eh, every time they were on screen, I went to the bathroom. So here, here's my very, very feel like a horrible person pettiness. Okay, here it is. Okay. <laughs> Kate, Get ready, folks. Sarah, Sarah Lance. Get yourself a drink. <laughs> as, as Canary. I just feel horrible. There is something about her mouth <laughs> that drives me a crazy. It's like she has permanent partial pucker or something. Like her, the, her mouth is so tight. It drives me crazy. And I realized that the first time I watched season two, I was actually kind of confused at parts. Uh, and I realize now because I, I watched ever, I, you know, was very diligent when I rewatched it uh, for the podcast. And I realized it's because I would get up and find something else to do every time she was on screen <laughs> because she would drive me crazy. And I feel so petty and awful about it. But there's my true confession. Uh, man, Daniel, what do we do? I don't know. I, I don't know. I. I'm in love with I, Sarah Lance, so I just don't know how to... Uh, I know, guys, it's, I know. It's, Sarah it's Lance okay. is my hashtag one true black canary. Like, you, there's no... I just... This idea of Laurel, and I won't get into that again, but the, <laughs> the idea of Laurel <laughs> being black canary. Man, Sarah, I just love when she's, like, in that role. It just... I, I, I have to say, I didn't notice her mouth that much, I guess. I don't... Uh, but I, I just... She... F- makes it work for me i don't know like uh just kind of she she is well she's always putting in a 12 ab performance yeah too, so, that's true you know. yeah oh she, yeah you know plus a plunging neckline so you know i hear yeah, you. yeah although we don't get to see her do the uh whatever it's called i can't remember the name of it but that no you do yeah you do she yes you do she totally does the the one-up yes, bar thing yeah, yeah. this it's the salmon the Sam, salmon, salmon run. run is that what it is yeah um, I think that's but anyways, um, she's great, and uh, oh man, I I don't have enough good things to say about her. I wish we, unfortunately, you know, got to see her more. Well, I guess we kind of get to see her more in the future, possibly. Spoilers. I do. I would say that when she's when she's canary, as you pointed out, I think is is in terms of her her acting. Because again, again, petty. I'm being petty, guys. Her I, her acting is perfectly fine for me. And I do like her best when she's the Black Canary, I think probably because I like that part of her character the best. You know, while she's whiny girlfriend on the island, I, I like her less simply because of the character she has to play. Um, and for, the, you know, I like her okay in her sister relationships with her sister and then with, with Felicity. Um, 
But again, I think I think she does a fine job uh, in the performance, and she's a very believable physical actress, which I think is really necessary to pull off that role. She's she's also kind of a reflection of Oliver, right? It's like they both they're mm, both yes, rich, yes. stuck up. Well, I guess she's not rich, but they're both you know just snot nosed teenage kids that go off on this trip and then come back completely changed individuals. And it interesting to kind of see how that affects Oliver differently than how it affects. Because they've had, they did, they obviously have different experiences once they get to the island and stuff. But um, I always thought that was interesting that they kind of could explore, like, well, this is how this experience changed you, and this is how this experience changed me, and it's changed us both in a little bit different of ways. Well, and what happens to them when they leave the island before they return to Starling City? I think also shapes the differences sure. yeah. between the yeah. two of them as well. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I, I think her character, like you said. I was going to mention, and, and you just totally beat me to the punch, Daniel, but awesome. She is the reflection in the mirror for Oliver in this season. Um, he is uh, able to see himself in her, and I think be able to see the difference um, of what he's choosing and what she has found is almost impossible for her to choose. Um, it's very hard for her to choose to not be the killer, to be anything more than what she was trained to be, what she was forced to be, uh, to survive and to move back into the light. And it's a it's a really, I think, it's a great storyline because, yeah, it gives Oliver that ability to kind of see himself in somebody else. And somebody can talk to him in a way that nobody else can. And I think that was the other thing that I really loved about Sarah's character is that the conversations that her and Oliver were to have, you know, she could call him on things. She could bring him to the mat, not even physically, just verbally and in a way that nobody else can talk to Oliver. Um, and especially in this season, I just thought it was needed. And it I, was nice. Um, I, I, I just I raised my eyebrows there for a moment because in my rewatching of this season, uh, although there are conversations that only she and Oliver can have because they were on the island together, obviously. But for me, it continues to be Felicity, who's the one who takes him to the mat and tells, calls him and set, you know, sort of sets him straight. And, you know, when he... I, I can't remember which episode it is, but he's he's going to go off and do something. He's like, no, I can't do it. And even uh, Sarah Lance is like, no, no, shouldn't do it. And Felicity basically just steps up right to his face and says, you go, you get him, you bring back our boy, you do this, you do that. And to me, it's always Felicity in the season who's really taking him to task and sort of setting him down the path that he ends up going down, frankly. Yeah, I think I think you have a a good point there that Felicity is Jiminy Cricket <laughs> for Oliver Queen. I mean, that's she's his conscience in a lot of ways that he doesn't always have, you know, and um she's able to say those things to him that of course a Sarah couldn't say to him because she is kind of morally bankrupt in a lot of ways compared to uh, you know where the other characters have been. So yeah, I what I love is is that that makes a nice it makes a nice love triangle, but in a way that doesn't feel so soap opera-ish. You know, and I mean, it's it's a little soap opera-ish, let's not lie. But at the same time, you, you kind of have the devil on one shoulder, and you have the angel on the other. And, you know, Felicity is clearly the more angel-type character who's speaking into Oliver's life. And Sarah is a reminder of the darkness that's still in Oliver, and does he embrace it? And as we talked about with, you know, Nissa Al Ghul being in here in this season, 
Um, I really liked the introduction to her character because she represents a very popular opinion uh, when it comes to comic book characters of might makes right. You know, you, you do what needs to be done. You doesn't matter what the consequences are of your morality. You just do what needs to be done to get the job done. And that usually means killing somebody. And uh, yeah, I think that all those things are really working together in this season. And it's a really nice, intricate, you know, talking Shrek about peeling back the layers of the onion, you know. <laughs> um, how about cake? Everybody likes cake. Uh, it's, it's yeah, I, I think that this season, when you're watching it, it's just so multifaceted that the more you watch it, the more you can find in it. And that is a hallmark, I think, of a good show. I, I agree. I, there is a lot of complexity relation in relationships, and it becomes even more of an ensemble cast, right? I mean, there are even more people who sort of joined the team, as, as you pointed out earlier. Um, it's so interesting because, I mean, for, for me, Sarah does sort of is a reminder of, of the pain and the agony and the choice, his, his Sophie's choice that he has to make on the island. Um, but she's also right. I mean, to the, her, she actually also doesn't want to kill. She doesn't want to lead the life that she had led before. That's why she becomes a bartender, you know, at, uh, the club and, you know, wants to, uh, leave the uh, league and, and whatnot. So she is in many ways also paralleling uh, the era story. And in the end, they both end up back to fighting the, uh, you know, fighting the war at the end. They both get pulled back into uh, needing to, you know, do that business as it were. Just like Godfather three. Every time I think I'm out, they keep pulling me back in. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I, an interesting part. Uh, so I don't. I, I kind of cringe, and when this happens, um, like when they brought in Nissa, um, I'm like, okay, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a Batman thing. You're, you're, you're pulling from Batman, which Arrow does actually pretty liberally uh, pulls in from the Batman mythos, which is fine because I mean, in a lot of ways, this version of Oliver Queen is a lot is kind of similar um, to to Batman in some ways. Uh, but I'm just like sometimes I'm just like I whatever. So anyways, they, so they bring in Nyssa and um, I'm like, OK, I, I can see what you're doing. And then but they make they make, they give her this interesting relationship with with Sarah. And actually, I really found that one of the most compelling aspects of that character was what was going on with that, which obviously we get more of later on. But uh, that these two people, you know, what, what had happened to Sarah afterwards and all of this. Um, and then kind of how it influences her relationship with Oliver and stuff like that. I, I just thought that was actually a really interesting way to kind of introduce that dynamic. Well, and what's so great about that, too, is that that creates the the conundrum in, in Nyssa of seeing this other side of life that she really hasn't seen outside the League because of Sarah, because of Oliver, because of all these things, and that really... You know, again, it's something that they pick up and they play with a lot of, obviously, in season three. And um, what I love about Arrow is that it takes these characters and it, and it may kind of slowly introduce them in a season. And then it usually makes benefit of those characters later on, mm -hmm. which I think is so smart. Um, and they did that in season one, obviously, and they're doing it. They did it in season two to three. And I'm, I can't wait to see how that plays out in season three to four and, and what characters will come to light that you're like, 
oh man, I had no idea they were going to go that way with that character. So I think that's really cool. Um, okay, so I remember when they announced season two and uh, what who was going to be on. And of course, the big thing for so many geek people was Summer Glau was coming to Arrow. And obviously huge fame there with um, Firefly. And then, of course, uh, you know, making cameos on tons of shows. Uh, and she also did the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Uh, so, you know, this this girl's got geek cred coming out of her ears these days. Uh, and so now she adds Arrow to that. What did you end up thinking about her character of Isabel Roshev and this kind of her portrayal? Hmm. Eh. <laughs> it was fine. For what it was. Yeah, I think I'm in the, I think I might be in the uh, category as well. I mean, she plays the, she plays the, um, cool, hard as nails, cold, you know, cold as ice, uh, female executive, yeah, which, cold <laughs> as ice, <laughs> which is, you know, pretty, pretty gosh darn tropey, frankly. Um, you know, and then she gets to, you know, she gets to, to bed Oliver, to which Felicity just gets the best lines to me. They give her the funniest lines. You know, Felicity, you know, comments about, you know, <laughs> basically, you know, can he keep it in his pants kind of thing. Uh, but it's, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. And then her whole transformation into one of the Deathstroke army, um, again, super petty. That outfit did not, with the ponytail thing, just did not work for me um but you know she's an interesting character to stick in there and she's you know into in that intricate plot you keep talking about she plays a pretty pivotal role um but yeah as as sub evils go as mini bosses go she was she wasn't my favorite <laughs> mini bosses <Sub-bosses laughs> awesome. mini bosses um, you know it's and it's and i know we're not doing this so forgive me if i'm crossing the boundary here but um to contrast her, she so especially initially she plays the "I'm going to take over your company" character. She's the this you know uh, infiltrative kind of ha. Now I have the most stock. Ha <laughs> ha! You didn't see that coming, you know, kind of character. And um, to contrast it to season three, I know I'm sorry if I shouldn't be doing that, but like uh, what is his name? I'm so sorry. I'm bad with with actors' names. Oh God, the the guy who plays. Um, in season three, he played super Brandon Ruth, Ralph, Brandon Ralph, Brandon like Ralph, to compare yeah. those two characters, like one is super interesting and one seems super bland. Like it's, it's in hindsight, it's like, I, I know they play very different roles, but essentially at their first, their first kind of introduction is, Oh, Hey, I'm overtaking this company now. And that's what I kind of think of in hindsight when I'm thinking of her. And I'm like, uh, eh. again, eh, eh, she doesn't, she's not like an, She's she plays a role in the story. She doesn't really compel. She's not a compelling character. She doesn't in any way interest me. I don't really care about her motivations or her interests. I'm I she just she's a she's a pawn essentially. No, I think you guys are both right on. I think that she's the red herring of the season. You know, you you're thinking especially when she's revealed I'm taking over your company and all this stuff. She's the one you're focused on. So that you're not quite as focused on what's maybe going on in the background with the other characters with Sebastian Blood and, um, you know, then you end up with uh, having Slade Wilson behind it all. Um, so I think she's just the first kind of red herring and it's a big name at Summer Glau, so it kind of keeps your focus when she's there. But it's, it's, it's really not about her. You know, she's just there to kind of distract you with the icy 
princess pretty face uh, so that, you know, you're not paying attention to the man behind the curtain, which is Sway Wilson and everything that's going on with those those Machiavellian machinations that he's he's really working here. So, yeah, um, she's she's fine in the role. Um, I don't. I'm one of the Kugi guys who isn't completely in love with Sa- Summer, Summer Glau, and so um, yeah, it's she. She's fine in the role. There's there's nothing she does wrong. It just you know it it's not my favorite portrayal. So, well, guys, I'm 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 so excited because we actually get to talk about this because he's in this season, um, The Flash, Grant Gustin, um, and I remember I, I'll be honest when I first saw the pictures of this guy, I was like, that dude looks like so scrawny and so skinny and all of that how can he possibly be the flash and he's brilliant (laughs) i mean he's just bloody brilliant as barry allen there's there's nothing about him that's not you know a younger barry allen i love it yeah he the 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 actor who come on comes on and plays him is he's so super charming I mean, he's so charming. There isn't a minute that he uh, is on screen that I'm not, oh, he's so charming and funny and cute. You know, like he's he just sort of steals the show, frankly, uh, when he's on. I really, really enjoyed his performance. I, I had the same reaction that you did, Matthew, where like when I first saw like it's weird because The Flash is not unless you're counting the 90s television show. Um, not a character that we've seen in live action. Um, so, and I didn't watch the nineties television show. Um, so it's, it's, he's a character that I have like a very specific version of in my head, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't translate that to real life. So like when they're like, they show what, like what happened to you when they show the picture of this guy that they've cast for the role. I'm like, no, 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 that's not flash. That just, that's just, it doesn't for some reason form to what I have in my head. But then when I see him on screen and he's starting to interact with people, I'm like, this guy's great. This guy's amazing. I can't, now I can't think of a better Flash than this guy. Like it's it's so funny because the in my head the the ultimate version of the Flash is the animated one, uh, the DC animated universe Flash. Um, and yeah, uh, I hear you. Who was wasn't he voiced by um, Michael Rosenbaum uh, for a while at least? He was yes. Uh, actually, he was he was voiced by Lex Luthor himself yeah. from Smallville, who did yeah, a, a so. brilliant job. Um, yes, fantastic. So, uh, but but anyways, uh, but I so he came on the show, and I'm like, I got, I was kind of already more excited for Flash than Arrow, only because I think Flash is a more interesting character to me. Um, even though I was loving this show, and I still do love Arrow, but this idea that we're gonna have like this backdoor pilot, and we're gonna get to kind of see what's going on, like this is awesome. And then, I, I man, they're, they're still blowing my mind, and I can I guarantee you this year they're still gonna blow my mind every time that Flash and Arrow interact. It's gonna be awesome i cannot wait for those episodes so much fun i feel like that that should be an 80s hairband song you're blowing my mind every time you so, know, just like, that's what it feels like i have to jump in here and and clarify matthew you said that you couldn't believe that this scrawny guy was going to be the flash that is what you said right so uh, I so yeah, summer glad like any of the women on this show who are supposed to be badasses. I don't understand why you don't have the same problem. I mean, uh, Katie Lotz is, is Sarah Lance. Like I said, she she sort of 
has a physique that even when her stunt double comes in and doubles for her, I, I can, you know, I can believably see similar shapes. But the other ladies on that show, I feel like you could just snap their little arms because they look like little twigs, you know. And for some reason, that doesn't bother you. Like, I, whatever, I don't get it. Yeah, no, and I, I hear what you're saying. It was, I think it was just like Daniel, it was just kind of this strange reaction, you know, unless you had watched the 90s TV show, you'd, all you have in your head is the picture of kind of the animated flashes that we've had. And they're kind of ropey, muscular guys who are, you know, probably about six feet tall and, and everything. And, you know, when they showed the picture of Grant, that just wasn't what I had pictured. But I was totally wrong. And, and he's amazing. Um, you know, I'm actually having the same problem with Ezra Miller as the Flash for the movie version that will be coming about that doesn't. Now that I've seen what they did with Grant, um, Ezra Miller doesn't fit what I think of as the Flash at all from comics or anything, and and that's from seeing him in other films. But that's just me. So, and again, he could totally blow me away, and yeah, I sure. have to get, let go of my expectations. But it was one of those things where I had this a little bit of an opinion coming in, and but I'm also one of those guys like I'm willing to be wrong. I want to be wrong, and Grant is just fantastic. So. I think it's it's amazing that he came in and immediately won people over yeah. and you know Flash took off. I mean it's it's a hit. So it, it, and um, just to to again we have the hindsight of season 3 and season 1 of Flash. Um but even early on even in his first his first interactions with the Arrow crew um you can see what what I think is like one of the greatest relationship this cross relationship between between Barry and Felicity, which, uh, you know, I think that is amazing. I think they should they should t- take that train as far as it goes. Uh, but they probably won't, obviously. You like yourself some Barry City? <laughs> yeah, oh I, oh, I totally ship them. Uh, t- uh, you know, I, I totally, 100%. Uh, she doesn't belong with Oliver. She belongs with Barry. But that, anyways, <laughs> that's that's neither here nor there. But it's great to have, like, he it comes just, in and has... Do you, do you play them the Taylor Swift song then? <laughs> You belong with me, <laughs> you know. And I was going like, to say, neither here nor there. Shipping was is a huge part of of Arrow, and boy, do they do they give those Alicity shippers a huge tease at the end of season oh, yes. two. I mean, oh, it yes. is a huge tease. So shipping is very important on this show. Don't you feel embarrassed about it at all, Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a, I'm a I'm an Alicity shipper, so you know. Um, so I'm I'm with Daniel in that. Like you're in the fight for your you know ship, and um, I I've always kind of been that way with with just about any TV show that I, I've watched. I don't know why I just like people to be in happy relationships. So <laughs> this is um, this is comic book land. There are no happy relationships. <laughs> that's true. Um, you know. And there have been a few. I mean, you know, uh, Lois and, and Clark I was were happy say, for Canary. quite a while in the comics. So Canary and, yeah. Canary and Oliver getting married. Maybe, maybe Ma and Pa Kent, they were pretty happy. Yeah, they well, were super you happy, you know. So. Good call. Okay. <laughs> this show, what I love, and, and, and having watched through all of the extras for season one season two hearing the producers and the creators talk about season three arrow is a show about consequences um and you know about oliver really having to deal with the consequences of his actions and specifically obviously his mother's actions and his father's actions um 
the very biblical idea of the sins of the father come down to visit the sins, of the, the, you know, the, the son and to the seventh generation, yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, it's just a really interesting thing to me that this whole show is built on the idea of all actions have consequences and how those play out comes from how you dealt with the situation. And I really, really like that because this season had some huge consequences for Oliver. One with his relationship with Thea and the secrets that they kept from her. Um, and two with obviously his mother and where she ends up by the end of the show. And, you know, it two huge things. You know, Oliver has always been about protecting his sister um, and trying to keep her out of this. And yet that's just hasn't been possible. And then two, obviously dealing with the repercussions of all the things that his mother was responsible for um, and that Oliver didn't have a part of. Uh, and it, it really ends up in a really interesting place. So I, I just kind of want to talk a little bit about that with the show. And it's a great thing to have something on TV talk about, look, actions have consequences and they can be pretty drastic. Um, they don't necessarily be comic book drastic, but your, your actions have a consequence. Yeah. I, I, uh, first of all, I will say I, I, I agree with you. Um, although I did find it while I was laughing, I, I did find it very funny that at the, uh, end, um, and he's he's talking to you know uh Sebastian Blood gives him the the kryptonite and mm-hmm. he says you know and I can I can take this city and and make it what it what it's supposed to be and Arrow tells him you know you think you're they're going to let you do that after everything you've done to this city and I thought to myself well they did with Moira <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't they with this guy I mean what yeah but anyway, um, no, I agree with you. I mean, I think um, I, I would say that I think other shows, uh, you know, obviously in, in storytelling, when you're telling a story, you have actors do something and then you see sort of what what happens as a result of, of what they choose to do and say in the storyline. And I think Arrow just does it in a way that makes it uh, for one, I think there are a lot of choices and a, and a lot of choices that end up having big consequences. And that's why it's so illuminated uh, in, in this case. Um, but it is nice. It, it is nice to, to see that. Although I did laugh again, like, so what was the consequence for sleeping with um, Isabel Rocha? <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, I agree with you. I, it is, it is fun uh, that the consequences of the various actors' choices gets played out very strongly uh, in the storylines. I do enjoy seeing that as well. Well, I mean, and plus, you know, we we have, with the story structure of Arrow, we have this very clear distinction of what has happened before with the flashback sequences and what is now happening. Um, and, you know, the entire uh, Slade Wilson story arc is, is basically... A, a consequence related storyline what has happened what what is going to be the effect of these decisions that he's made on the island um and it literally come back to haunt him the entire season um those decisions that he had made so it is it is interesting um and i agree that it's that's actually one of, one of the strong points of the show is that we actually get to see like wait if you're if you exist in this world with these characters with these with these abilities and these things and, the, and these crazy situations that you can get into, uh, you know, maybe you might want to be careful about the things that you do. 
for sure. Can I make a, just a quick shout out to, I love a totally bit character, uh, the Russian guy on the submarine. Oh, yes. I love that Anatoly. dude. <laughs> I love that character. Yes. I love that actor. I loved everything about him, for sure. I What I really like is the fact that dealing with these, these consequences that you were talking about, Daniel, of, okay, if you're in this world, these things can happen, and, and that's what you need to be careful of. And I, I really think that that's been DC's thing. You know, when you look at um, where they're going with Batman v Superman, at least just when you're kind of watching the trailer and, and okay, this is the consequence of the actions that happened and, and the world that we live in. And like DC is really saying, okay, we exist in a universe that has consequences to the character's actions, the, the hero's actions. It's not just the heroes can destroy half the city one week and the next week everything comes back. This isn't Star Trek Voyager. There's no easy reset button. It's going to be it's it's going to be massive consequences. We're going to have to deal with them um and I I think it makes for really impactful storytelling and it gives you much greater character depth when you have to have somebody like Oliver or her, you know, his mother or his sister or anybody on this cast have to deal with these different actions that other people are around them taking and and that they themselves are then making it's it's just a really cool thing you know um you reap what you sow and this show is all about that um and it makes it for compelling television because um you're not kind of left thinking didn't didn't this happen and there did what that doesn't make it you know no um, and I, I, I kind of thought in the end, the consequence of, you know, Moira dying in the end, um, was a poetic justice, you know, um, for all that she had been a part of, you know, even if she was kind of trying to keep her kids safe and all this stuff, you know, she's still complicit in all these terrible things. Um, and, you know, admitting it at the very end, um, to try and save people in season one isn't the same as, you know, doing that way earlier. So nobody dies. You know, it's it's just, um, I, I don't know. I thought it was really strong. Yeah. Um, and then that was a, a really moving scene, too. I mean, when Moira gets killed and, you know, Thea's there and Oliver's there and Oliver's watching this happen between them, um, it's it's oh, it's a heart-wrenching scene, you know. Um, you might not love the character of Moira, but what it's doing to Oliver and will do to Thea is, is just ridiculously huge. So I I just I love this show for that. So so that's the mid that's the mid-season climax, Moira's death. Uh yeah, it's like what is it like four episodes from the end or something oh i, I thought think. it was further back than that but yeah it's yeah it's actually like four episodes from the end yeah. i think so again for me you know felicity gets you know Fel- <laughs> she just gets the best it's like so she's at the she's at the uh, wake and and she's crying and she's like i don't even know what she's crying i didn't even like the woman she was a horrible person <laughs> <laughs> yes yes <laughs> you know? yes which i which i think is true yeah i mean this is definitely the you know this is post the watchman world of comics right this is this is the the ugly dirty world of of heroics yeah well and that's an interesting thing that you just brought up um you know 
DC has has kind of gotten knocked for having this kind of darker, grittier world. But I don't think it's dark and gritty. What I think it's just serious. We're going to take our characters seriously in the universe that they live in. And there's a big difference between serious and dark and gritty. Um, Serious just means you have repercussions that can look dark. But, you know, one of the things I've loved about Arrow is that, you know, when you get through season four, there's kind of like a new dawn feel um, when you get into, into like we're going into season four now. And they've slowly been working towards the light and that's what it's kind of neat to see with the character. I think they're going to do the same thing in the, in the um, film universe. Obviously it's called the Dawn of justice. I mean, they're putting it in the title. They're telling you what's happening. It's the, the the universe is slowly getting a little bit brighter. And and so I like that. Um, I like that idea of the progression that we learn from our mistakes and that's what's happening with these characters and specifically Oliver and everybody around him. They're coming together and trying to make a better world to make better choices than they did before. And, I mean, isn't that what we all want to do? And is that's pretty inspiring. And, yeah, it takes itself seriously. But as you said, Hallis, show could be really funny, too. I mean... Very funny. Um, Does it take itself you know, very serious yeah, when they have um, uh, uh, skinny Lance, you know, hitting guys with death death stroke masks Lance, on? yeah. You know, she doesn't even, she doesn't, she totally knocks, whatever. Those are all, (laughs) those are all little, little nitpicky things. But yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and I don't actually, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't consider Arrow actually particularly gritty. Certainly not like Gotham is gritty. Um, I, I think your assessment that, that Arrow is, is serious and it wants to tell serious stories about, as you've, uh, eruditely pointed out, consequences and that, people have to make difficult choices and those difficult choices have ramifications, you know, much like, you know, politics. But I don't, I wouldn't say that it's, that it's super dark. I mean, I just wouldn't, especially not with a show like Gotham, sort of in the same, same vein. I think Gotham is way darker. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. I wanted to ask you guys, we're about to wrap up here, but just kind of quickly, how did you think the, the spinning off of flash went? Does, did it work for you? And I think I know the answer here, but I figured it was important to kind of talk about, do you feel like they did it well and it felt organic enough? So it it was enough arrow, but it also gave you enough to want to be like, heck yeah, flash. Yeah. I mean, so it's funny because I've talked about this before, but um, the the way that they're approaching this shared universe, um, in in the Arrow Flash, then the DC TV universe is kind of how I wish they approached it in TNG Deep Space Nine era. Um, like, where where in that time, and I know it's a different time, uh, but in that time it was like one kind of send off, you know, one appearance in the pilot, and then random five minutes here, five minutes there, maybe a crossover character. But like in in this universe, it's like. No, no, no. We're actually establishing this character as he is as a person before he ever becomes super awesome, super fast. And then all these crossover characters, crossover episodes. I mean, like, if this is exactly what I love. This is um, why I love what what Marvel is doing in, in their movies so much. I, I love this idea of shared universes. I, I And I think this DC shared universe is amazing. And, and obviously, we're about to get a third show. And we're seeing seedlings of that uh, in both Arrow and Flash. 
And I think it's going to be great. I just, I, I, I could not be more excited. I think they're doing it exactly right. Um, I love that Oliver and Barry are buds. They're friends and everybody knows everybody and everybody knows everybody's secret identity and it's not a big deal. I think it's great. I think it's like a mini uh, Justice League. It's fantastic. So I started watching Green Arrow because I'm a huge Green Arrow fan. I am not a huge Flash fan. So to date, I still have not watched any of the Flash. Uh, and I'm I'm sure I'll get around to it eventually, but... It's with the bajillion and five things there are to watch. It just has not trickled up uh, to the top of my list yet. I, I, I am torn, as I often am, because I am a, uh, am a woman who is deeply entrenched in a world of gray. Um, I'm torn about shared shows and shared universes. I like them... I think they can be handled very well. And from what you guys have said, and I totally trust your guys' opinions, they've handled it very well so far. But I really hate it when it feels forced. Now we're going to have this guy on this person's show, and here's the plot that we're going to force it into and Jimmy rig it so it makes it seem really, you know, cool and it fits. And really, you just feel interrupted in, in your storyline. Um, so if they're not doing that and they're, they're doing it in a way that is really eloquent and makes sense and it doesn't feel forced and fake, then uh, more power to them. Uh, and I think probably from a marketing and a business perspective, it's like super smart. So I do think that that is one of the strengths of what they've been able to do with the shared universes. Um, Daniel was saying these characters exist in each other's world and they can reference each other on their shows at, at ad nauseum. There, there's no way and there's no, you know, quota that they they have where, oh, no, you've already mentioned Arrow twice in The Flash. You can't mention him anymore this season. No, there's none of that. And and they have characters go back and forth regularly. Um, and it works, I think, very well because they do it in a way that it's like, this is what it would be like to have two superheroes live, you know, in close proximity, a train right away, you know, or a flash <laughs> right away. Um, and uh, it's 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 a really it's a really nice way to do it. Um, so it feels organic and it feels like it all fits together. And, you know, obviously, when you have the creative teams behind all of the shows, you know, um, from Flash to Arrow to Supergirl, and then to um, Legends of Tomorrow, all of those creatives are the exact same people. So they know what's going on in the different shows, and therefore it can flow well. I'm not saying that Flash and Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow are going to cross over with Supergirl. We're just all crossing our fingers that that'll happen one day. Um, but right now, it, it, it's not going to. But we just, we're going to keep crossing our fingers. But with those other three shows... They've been engineered by the people running them to make it feel organic. And I think that's what worked so well. Um, you know, they were going to do that thing where they shoved in the backdoor pilot to flash in Arrow. And it was going so well that they decided, no, let's just have him show up and then we'll do the pilot on its own. So I think it worked even more organically than they had it planned at the beginning, which just very smart on the part of CW to say, no, we, we like this idea. 
just to have him be on the show so you kind of introduce him into this world and then we'll give him his own pilot so it didn't feel as forced as i think it would have like you were talking about alice where you're just like and now it's the barry allen show for this week you know um so i i really like that um and i say i think that you know you know i know um you have a young son i think he might like the flash a lot because it's, I've heard. it's just so yeah. fun. No, I, I yeah. have. I've I've really, I, I've heard that. Uh, and I've I've actually heard rumblings from other people who have watched both shows. And to, and to tell you honestly, it's a very, very small N, mind you. But most of them have actually left Arrow in favor of Flash, uh, mainly because of that, that seriousness factor. And I haven't seen The Flash, but I guess it's a, it's a more, it's presented in a lighter way. Um, maybe a less serious way. And so uh, a large handful of, of people I know have been like, I'm done with whiny Oliver. I'm off to Happy Berry, you know. Um, it's, it's, yeah, we have heard a lot of that too. You know, I, you know, here I am on the season two uh, Arrow show, but I, I will say like the Flash has eclipsed Arrow in my mind. Like, And it's only season one, so it's early. We don't know. Maybe they can't keep that up. But season one, oh man. Oh man, it's amazing. It's really good, so definitely check it out and i would say in defense of arrow (laughs) the whole point of the third season and we'll get to that on the show is to get oliver to a different place by the fourth season they are they specifically engineered the third season to deal with what we talked about tonight the consequences of everything so that he could it you know a certain burden could be lifted and taken and put in a way and so that he could move forward and become a little bit lighter and and so if you have left arrow come back we want you back <laughs> yes don't um you can so, have both you yeah, don't need don't, one or the other yeah, yeah you exactly. can exactly yeah you know so ratings for uh season two for you guys alice oh my goodness um i will give it uh I will give it 27 black canary feathers. I'm going to give it five doses of Mirakuru because it just it's so amped up and, and uh, it's amazing. It's so good. It's so good. I'm going to give it one missing eye. <laughs> uh, that's all it needs, uh, you know? So uh, this show is, is that it was that good. I mean, season two, it took season one and it just, it didn't blow it out of the water. It just, there's something about season two. It's so good. So I, I encourage everybody, go back, check this out, watch it all through again. It, it's so worth it. I, you know, it got to show um, my wife seasons one and two together. Um, so watching through the whole thing again, I, I was just blown away by how both seasons, and especially season two, they just hold up so well. Um the, the storylines are great. It's it's well done. And, you know, the production value of these shows are, are fantastic. So that's one of the things that I, I really, really like uh, about Arrow in, in general is that, you know, they're doing so much of this on sets and stuff. And then they film in Vancouver, Canada, which is not that far from, from me, uh, really. Um, it's a few hours. And so I know the landscape because I kind of live in the same landscape as the island. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, but it's still, it looks great for what they do. So I'm really impressed. And uh, I'm really glad that we got a chance to uh, talk about season two. And I, I'll really look forward to to diving into 
season three. Uh, very, we're we're trying to do it very early next year. We have a very full episode lineup coming for you guys. Um, I've got supplementals out the wazoo planned for things coming with with Star Wars and Bond and Mockingjay Part Two. And I mean, there's just so much happening here that I can't wait to get with you guys on the 602 club so i hope you'll keep coming back of course don't forget to check out all the shows on itunes.com slash trek fm and of course we're also on our own website at trek.fm where you can check everything out there all the shows all the show pages everything that you need to know about what we do here on the network and of course guys if you're an apple user please do us a favor, hit the subscribe button, uh, give us a star rating and review. Like I told you earlier, you can um, be entered to win our contest right now with the $50 gift card to Amazon. So give us those things. And and if you're not an Apple user, I mean, I know that there are those people out there. We've got you covered everywhere. Like Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone. Uh, you can stream and download the MP3 file from the website at trek.fm. And, of course, you can grab the RSS link there as well. Pop that into any podcatcher and listen at your heart's content. Um, and, and with all the shows we have, with all the background that we have, and the back catalogs for each show, gosh, we can, we've got you covered. Um, another way you can really help us, of course, is through Patreon. Uh, at patreon.com slash trek.fm, you can see how you can keep us bringing all of this content to you. Um, I have to say that it has been a huge blessing in my life to be able to do this um, with Trek.fm, with the podcasts that I do, and I love it. I, I absolutely love it. Um, and honestly, you know, we haven't even been around a year. The 602 Club already have 52 shows uh, for you guys in the back catalog. That takes a lot of work. So if you'd like to help keep all the shows on Trek FM coming to you each week, go to patreon.com slash Trek FM. You can find out how you can support us and keep all this stuff coming to you each week. Um, we really appreciate your support. Um, I want to say a really big thanks to Ken Tripp who is my associate producer here on the show um, through Patreon. That's one of the perks that he gets um, with the level that he's at. He chose the 602 Club. I really appreciate him. And then, of course, getting to work with uh, Norman Lau and C. Brian Joes as executive producers on the network is just brilliant. Um, guys, we'd like to hear some feedback from you. Hit us up at trek.fm slash contact i really would like to hear about what you thought about arrow season two uh maybe what you're excited about for the new tv season what you'd like to hear us talk about here on the 602 club you could leave us a voicemail we've never had one and i'd love to have one on the show just look in the sidebar on the show page or go to speakpipe.com slash trek fm we are on twitter of course at trek fm and then facebook at facebook.com slash trek fm and then Really, if you want to have some great discussion with us, just go to the Babel Conference on Facebook. Um, type Babel into the search field on Facebook, or you can go to the website at trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar, and that will take you right to our listeners-only discussion group. So, guys, uh, I I would love for you to tell everyone where they can find you online before we go. And, Alice, um, it's always a pleasure having you here in uh, the uh, 602 Club. And so make sure to let everybody know about your own podcast and then where they can find you if they'd like to interact about their love 
of the Emerald Archer. <laughs> so uh, I uh, work on a podcast called Educating Geeks over at educatinggeeks.com. We have a new podcast coming out just about every Friday. Uh, and we get together much like we do here in the 602 Club and talk about uh, various geekery. We like to introduce one of our friends to a topic they've never experienced before. We recently actually had my son on who'd never seen uh, Back to the Future. And so we talked to him about his experience of seeing the film for the first time. So you can check out all of that uh, over, like I said, at EducatingGeeks.com or hashtag EducatingGeeks. And I personally can be found pretty much anywhere on the internets that I can be found uh, by searching on ALCBKR. And I do uh, hang out in the Babel Conference to talk about the stuff we talk about on the show. So I hope to hear from you there. And what about you, Daniel? Make sure uh, you tell everybody about uh, a little podcast that you're on, and uh, that that you know that little ship that the little the little one, uh, the Enterprise D, I think it is. I don't know. It's it's kind of a smaller yeah, Starfleet yeah. vessel. Uh, it's a it's a tough little ship, though. So uh, yeah, 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 tough little um, ship. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they can find me here on the network uh, every week talking uh, about Star Trek: The Next Generation on Earl Grey with my co-hosts Philip and Darren. We have a lot of fun. Go check it out. Uh, you know, actually, I wanted to jump in here and say, uh, Alice, maybe your co-hosts on Educating Geeks can educate you on The Flash Season 1. That would be uh, quite an episode. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Uh, so that's a great podcast as well. Anyways, they can find me, yeah, of course, on, on Earl Grey uh, every week. And, uh, I, you know, I'm bouncing around the network. We usually, uh, every little while, we show up on some other shows as well. So you can find me anywhere on Trek FM sometimes. Um, and then, of course, personally, if you want to talk to me, uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter. And my handle there is 1updan. That is the number one, not the word. Well, I'm so glad that you guys were here uh, in the new 602 Club. And I just, I have I have a few things to say to you. You have not failed this podcast. Uh, so I just really appreciate that. Um, and, uh, of course, if you would... <laughs> Oh, gosh. Would you like to find me um, when I'm not using my arrow voice, uh, all caps, that is, on Twitter, uh, at MattRushing02. You can also find me doing The Orb with Christopher Jones talking exclusively about Deep Space Nine. Have a blast doing that show talking about what I what I consider to be the best Star Trek show out there. And if you don't believe me, just listen to the show, and I, I promise you that Chris and I will do our best to convince you. Uh, even if we're not successful, we'll definitely do our best. Uh, Dan and I cover books and comics over there on Literary Treks. We also interview the authors. So if you enjoy the Star Trek literary universe in any way, shape, or form, check that out. And, of course, like I said, the, the great interviews we do with the authors is a lot of fun. I'm on Instagram at mrushing. I have my own personal blog at 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com do movie reviews, book reviews, things that just don't kind of fit in uh, what I do here on Trek FM. So check me out there if uh, if you want. I really appreciate everybody joining us, and y'all come back now, you hear? you hear?